0: Make it to the cemetery.
1: I would think that it's just it was a very sad oversight, I would
0: say. So there they were with an actual list of names in their hands for the first time, and it was wrong. But then Carlos remembered
2: that every November, on the day of the dead, someone came by to leave flowers at the mass grave. Someone was visiting a loved one. This was Tim's first real clue that these people were not totally forgotten.
0: He wanted to find who that person was. So Tim put out a call on the local paper in Fresno that said, if you or someone you know is related to any of the 28 Mexican passengers who died in that plane crash in 1948, contact me. And someone did. That's coming up after the break.
3: Okay, and uh, we'll take a break here, too. Play the rest of that later in the show. So far, Tim, Tim Hernandez, the uh, Chicano writer, has decided to find out the names of those people and not leave them, just being deportees. Uh, great story. Okay. Here's some poetry by Jack Kerouac and Steve Allen. I had a slouch hat top one time.
4: I had a slouch hat too one time, the old slouch hat. I just keep walking around, he keeps walking around with me, around and around that necktie counter we went. When it rained, I wore my old slouch hat. It was a good felt that I uh, had to carry through many rainy days, late fall and early spring. Perhaps it was a rainy day and the house dick might have saw my hat. Each tie on that ring worth six bucks. Brooks Brothers, 60 bucks worth of ties. Slacks with peculiarities. I couldn't even find a pair of slacks I thought it was suitable to wear. Wrapped one pair around me and pinned it in with a safety pin. (laughs) Pulled up my trousers and went out and looked at myself in the mirror. Oh, no, those won't do, and I walked out. Wrapped the slacks around my waist, took two other pair, went to the mirror, threw them at the salesman. No, those won't do. Good afternoon, and walked out. The slouch hat I got at Harvard Club, Yale Club, Princeton Club, or one of the other, Dartmouth Club, University Club. Always barred the Yacht Club, because it was a little over my kin because the doorman knew that only Mr. Astor, Mr. Vanderbilt, and Mr. Whitney belonged. He couldn't say, good morning, Mr. Astor, because he knew I wasn't Mr. Astor. I always figured a way to heal into those other clubs. Not only a member of who's who, but a who's who also have to be a member of who's who in New York in the special clique of who's. (laughs) I get in the athletic club many times. And I'd go up in the billiard room, and I would wander back around the room, hands in back, and every coat rack I backed up against to feel for the wallet. One day, I walked out of there with 10 wallets. Bellboy looking me over. Pretty soon, a very dignified-looking gentleman come up and buzz the bellboy. He says, who? And I says, man told me his name while we we're drinking at the bar and told me to meet him in this billiard room at the athletic club. I don't see him, so I best I better go. Tell me about the old slouch hat. Oh, one of my numerous trips to one of the numerous clubs in New York City. The hat finally was left in the hotel, which I had to leave rather hurriedly one night, never to return. So the hat was given to the cast-offs of the hotel, which they collect and rummage cells. May now be worn by one of the members of Skid Row, New York City, the Bowery. I seen that hat by moonlight, yeah. I had a pointed mustache, and I mean pointed, half inch from here. Double-breasted vest and a derby hat and striped trousers, English shoes, black, very pointed. They were Hannah shoes. People on Broadway turn and look at me. The worst is yet to come. I had a paint sneer with a long black ribbon to my buttonhole, and I wore a carnation, white or red. Boy, did I look like something. A year later, I got caught. I was dressed differently and everything, but boy, that mustache and that pince-necks was really out of this world. I used that outfit six months. Finally, had to pack it in because it was too well-worn. Pince-nez was in a coat I stole. Mustache I grew in the sanitarium while taking one of my numerous drug cures. My mother come to see me. She says, oh no, cut it off. I'm just having a little fun, mother. Took it on the lamb and went to Canada. Late at night, I'm full of morphine and I come down full of goofballs too. This guy had ventriloquist doll and he gave out this Texas guinan routine. Hello sucker, we like your money as well as anybody else's. As a matter of fact, the bigger your roll, the more we take you. He used to get everybody interested with the doll and cut out silhouettes, put stripes in your tie. Bond up in his room, gave him a shot of morphine. Out on the highway, I thumbed the riot into Buffalo, and I put the bum on the guy for something to eat. He said, eat in my drugstore." So we went in the back and he had corn on the cob and boiled potatoes. Say, fella, I always hear people talk about morphine. What's it look like? He shows me. He had a key, a cabinet. He had bottles of hundreds, quarter grains, half grains, pen upon dilaudid, everything. As soon as he tended the customers, I emptied the bottles. Got out of there pretty quick, bought a safety pin in Buffalo and took a shot in the toilet. Come out and saw a fella shaving, his coat hanging there. Hung my own coat and gave his coat a brush in my hand. Felt his wallet, washed my hands, went out and took off with the wallet. So I started out on a shoplifting campaign in Buffalo. It was about 1910. Wasn't very experienced at it. Started out with a top coat and sold it in a taxicab stand. Next day, I decided to get myself some suits. And I went up and I had a suit box. And I walked about and put the suit box in one of the dressing rooms, looked and fooled in the mirror, went out, and I hawked those two. Next day, like a damn fool, go out to the same store, but I got a newspaper instead of a suit box, thought I'd try a new routine. Two guys kinda watching me. I went in and wrapped myself up, two suits, went in the elevator, bottom gentleman tapped me on the arm, will you come with me, please? And the county jail, they ate breakfast, you got oatmeal with one spoonful of molasses. For lunch, stew, mostly bones, graveyard stew. And for supper, dinner at night, beans. And you couldn't smoke.
5: Pasar. Tampoco es que yo exija ni tierras ni riquezas más que estar recibiendo, me gusta regalar, tan solo estoy pidiendo. Sunny sunniest-
1: This is
6: our
3: land. Okay, that was a random set. We had, uh, first of all, Jack Kerouac from an album that he made with uh, Steve Allen, uh, the pianist, Uh, poetry for the beat generation. That was Slouch Hat. By Jack Kerouac. And then from uh, Jenny Rivera, the late Jenny Rivera, late of uh, born and raised in Long Beach, California. And the bad news this week for her ex, Esteban Loyasa, Loyasa, hope I'm getting that right, who was a pitcher uh, for a while, a very accomplished pitcher, an all-star started the all-star game for the American League. Won 20 games with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, was arrested in just across the border here in California with a big catch of uh, cocaine that was in a uh, in a secret room in his house. Jenny sang ni princesa ni esclava. I'm not a princess, but I'm not a slave, just a woman. And John Fromer there, another late comrade, brother, John Fromer, uh, with We Do the Work. What I want to do now is finish the deportees uh, documentary. Uh, Tim Z. Hernandez's attempt to find out who those 28 deportees were, the ones who are sung about in the famous Woody Guthrie song. Here we go.
7: take to start something from nothing and what does it take to actually build it I'm Guy Raz every week on How I Built This I speak with founders behind some of the most inspiring companies in the world find it on NPR 1 or wherever you get your podcasts
0: whose bodies had been buried in a mass grave under a plaque that read, 28 Mexican citizens. And not long after Tim put out the call, he
2: got
8: a response. Someone gave me a piece of newspaper and said, look, they're talking about your grandpa's uh, plane crash.
0: This is Jaime Ramirez. We met him in Fresno with Tim.
8: And I started reading it. And I got my computer and I
0: started... Jaime went to his computer and started writing Tim an email. He wrote in Spanish. I know about the accident because that's where my maternal grandfather, named Ramón Paredes, and my uncle Guadalupe Ramírez Lara, were killed. Jaime then included his address,
8: my phone number, and ended with, and, uh, "If you need information, just let me know." Anything that you want to know, just yeah. <laughs> what do you need to know? I'm right here. <laughs> I was like, wow. and so that was really hopeful. Your email, as short as it was and as quick as it was, it had so much hope inside of it, and so I was excited to to meet you right away. Yeah.
2: And not only is Jaime a surviving family member, but
0: Tim didn't have to go to Mexico. Jaime was right there in Fresno. Jaime owns a restaurant called Ole Frijole, and everyone in Fresno knows the restaurant. Most of the employees there are related to Jaime, and they're descendants of two of the passengers from the plane crash, his uncle and his grandpa.
8: So when he first told me that that was his restaurant, I said, no, I said, you're kidding, because I've been there (laughs) since I was a kid. You know, I've been going there. I'm sure I've seen you before, and that's my restaurant. And I said, it's legendary, and he said, yeah, it is. You were looking for (laughs) me, and I was right there.
0: (laughs) And Jaime was there all along in more than one way. Remember the flowers that someone was putting on the mass grave on Dia de los Muertos?
8: And I said, wow, you know, I wonder who that person is. Later on, I would learn that it it was. you. Yes, I was in Salinas.
0: It was Jaime. He's the one that was putting flowers on the grave. He was Tim's first found family member. And turns out,
8: he was also Tim's golden ticket. The newspaper that my grandmother kept, and I kept it, I don't know why.
0: So here's what happened. Not long after the crash in 1948, a small Spanish-language newspaper published an article that listed every passenger with the correct spelling of both last names.
8: And they had all the names and where they were from in Mexico. The little towns.
2: This was it. Three years of searching, and Tim finally had their names.
0: In Very old. It looks like it's a front page, right?
8: Uh, yeah, it is. It is the front page.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. nice so it's a photo. front page and in the front page you have the two photos of a priest <laughs> uh, Looking the over the, the bodies yeah. for the funeral service. On the right side is the column that has all of the names. First, last name, where they're from the names of their parents or wives, if they knew them. Wow, I'm gonna try to translate that as beautifully as it is written in Spanish. Mm -hmm. On Saturday, the 31st of January that just passed, there was a funeral for the 28 compatriots that were chosen by destiny to perish in an unfortunate accident. Near Colinga, California. Like just the way that this mm-hmm. is written is super, like old oh, it's, newspaper. it's very poetic, but it's really
2: also. Really poetic. It's very poetic. And in fact, even the even the um, biblical sort of. Um, Seeing how the Spanish language makes, paper uh, wrote about the twenty-eight Mexican victims made it even more clear
0: just how differently their deaths were treated and how their remains were handled. Twenty-eight families without closure without being able to have a physical place to mourn. And although, yes, most of the families knew how their sons, brothers, and husbands had died, they didn't get to have a funeral or a place to visit their loved one, lay flowers, just grieve. And as any cemetery director would know, Carlos says there is an importance to being able to visit someone's grave.
1: It just uh, a sense of emptiness, like, wait a minute, you know, it's not just uh, some John Doe that got, you know, no family, indigent, nobody knows. Uh, there was information, and so it left kind of a blank there, like, wait a minute, you know.
0: So now, with the full names spelled correctly, Tim, Carlos, and Jaime could start the process of making a proper headstone with all the names on it. And they would also travel to Mexico
2: to try and find other families. Tim wanted to tell them that their loved ones were no longer
0: in a nameless mass grave. So the first family Tim wanted to meet was Jaime's. Remember, both his grandfather and great-uncle died in the crash. So Tim and Jaime got on a plane and flew to Guanajuato in central Mexico. They were there on the 67th anniversary of the crash. Jaime set up a meeting with his
2: family, and right at 10.40 a.m., the time when the plane crashed, they had a moment of silence.
0: During the trip, Jaime told Tim a little more about his grandfather and great uncle. Guadalupe and Ramon grew up in Charco de Pantoja, a farming community in Guanajuato. When they got older, they both owned land and farmed garbanzo beans, wheat, and alfalfa. But their town struggled to get an irrigation
2: system in place. They didn't have the money to get it set up. That's when the idea to go work in
0: the fields in California came up. So they both went back and forth working as braceros and bringing money back to their town.
8: Do you remember stories growing up about them? Yeah. It's my
6: uncle,
8: <laughs> I <my> tío. He was very He to a caballo. <laughs> y uncle le gustaba tirar balazos. Sí le gustaba,
0: sí. Just, like,
8: my, shoot up bullets in the air. Decía, yeah. bueno.
9: His
0: uncle was so blonde that they called him corn hair. Yes. Like pelos de lote. Jaime's family is split between Fresno, California, and Guanajuato. And these are the types of stories that have been keeping his grandfather alive in Jaime's memory. So for Jaime to tell his family—his mother, mostly—that her father would no longer be buried under a nameless headstone? It was life-changing. Now we know who the
1: people are. Now we know who their lives are, who their family are, we know how they, how they are in this community. We're
0: so on September second, two 2013, the new headstone was unveiled in the cemetery. These braceros, who were once invisible and forgotten under a mass grave, had their names on a big, beautiful marble headstone.
8: Miguel Negrete Alvarez Francisco Llamas Durán Santiago Garcia Elizondo Rosalio Padilla Estrada Bernabé López García Ramón Paredes González Tomás Aviña de Gracia Guadalupe Ramírez Lara Severo Medina Lara In
2: this moment of having these names carved into stone forever, this is what Tim and Jaime wanted for years.
8: Manuel Calderón Merín, Luis Cuevas Miranda, Martín Razo Navarro, Ignacio Pérez Navarro, Romano Choa Ochoa Apolonio Ramírez Placencia, Alberto Carlos Raígoz, Guadalupe Hernández Rodríguez, María Santana Rodríguez, Juan Valenzuela Ruiz, Wenceslao Flores José Ruiz, José Valdivia Sánchez, Jesús Mesa Santos, Aldo Marcas Around the edges of the headstone are 32 leaves for the song that says, Who are these friends all scattered like dry leaves? Which brings us back to the song. Who are all these friends
2: now scattered? Folk musician Pete Seeger, just like Tim, was always curious about his friend Woody Guthrie's inspiration for the poem. When Tim was working on this back in 2013, Pete actually gave him a call. Hi, this
6: is Pete Seeger uh, trying to get a message
1: to Tim Hernandez, I'd like to talk to you.
2: Pete also wanted to know, who were these people? And Tim had the answer. Did you ever think, Pete,
8: you know, singing that song at any point that maybe someday someone would answer answer that, who are these friends?
3: No.
9: And you took it on as a job that God would want done.
2: Tim wound up meeting Pete in person where he told him the names of the 28 passengers. And then, in commemoration, Pete played Deportee, playing Wreck at Los Gatos.
9: Goodbye to my Juan. Goodbye, Rosalita. Adios, mis amigos. Jesus Maria. Tim
2: wouldn't know it, but this would be the last time Pete when would you sing the song. When
9: you he
2: died a few months later.
9: Oh.
0: And those friends who were scattered like dry leaves had all been memorialized together in the end. The headstone also included the names of the four American crew members, because as Tim saw it, leaving them out would be perpetuating the same kind of omission that erasure that started all of this in the first place. And since Tim had been in touch with the American families for a while, they
2: were able to travel to Fresno and attend the ceremony at Holy Cross Cemetery. Jaime
0: was there too, and at one point, a brown SUV pulled up and Jaime's brother Guillermo got out. He opened the door and helped his 77-year-old mother, Caritina Paredes Murillo, step out. She was a kid when her father died in the crash.
8: My mother also, I think, she said that she felt like uh, she was act in the actual burying or ceremony oh, from—
0: Oh, because she never got to do an actual funeral. So, yes. for her, this was she, really the yeah. first, as if it was happening like, decades ago.
8: Yes, yes. She felt like that, like she was burying her father.
2: And when you're standing here right now, what are you thinking no about? <laughs>
8: Muy He's
0: happy that there's recognition and honoring of them finally in this community at least, because they didn't really get any recognition or
8: anything anywhere else.
0: They were in darkness, you could say. In the yes
8: sh- in the shadows almost. Right? And I'll never forget when we asked her, you know, how do you feel, Caritina? And she said, well, I, I'm crying, and I don't know if they're tears of joy or tears of pain, you know.
0: After hearing the deportee song play a few times during the ceremony, the Ramirez family requested that mariachis play Mexico, lindo y querido.
8: Mexico, lindo y querido.
0: <laughs> si muero lejos de ti. Yeah.
8: Que digan que estoy y que me y que traigan. Que me traigan.
0: The song lyrics say, my dear and beautiful Mexico, if I die far away from you, say that I'm sleeping, so they can bring me back to you. After meeting with Jaime's family, Tim continued traveling in Mexico and the U.S., trying to answer Woody Guthrie's question, who are these friends? And as of today, Tim has been able to connect with the relatives of six of the 28 Mexican passengers, so he's still searching.
3: As a chair of the California Latino Legislative Caucus, I rise to recognize a tragic incident that occurred 70 years ago—
0: Two weeks ago, on the 70th anniversary of the crash, the California State Senate held an emotional ceremony to formally recognize, for the first time in history, the 28 Mexican victims of the plane crash. Senator Ben Hueso stood next to Jaime and other surviving family members as they held photos of their relatives. And the Senate didn't forget to honor the man who spent seven years of his life making this all possible.
3: Tim Hernandez did the work that the government should have done but 70 years later, they will be remembered as a valued part of the history of our state.
0: The story was produced by me, Fernanda Chavarri, and Maggie Freeling. It was edited by Nadia Raymond. The Latino USA team includes Marlon Bishop, Andres Caballero, Antonia Serejido, Ginny Montalvo, Janice Yamoka, and Sayer Quevedo. Our engineer and music editor is Cornelius McMoiler. Our production manager is Natalia Fiedelholtz. Our interns are Estefani Cano and Reese Williams. Special thanks to Tim Hernandez. His book, All They Will Call You, is out now. Our theme music. Was-
10: Blind. I don't like it, the KGB gulag concentration camps. I don't like the Maoist Cambodian death dance. Fifteen million were killed by Stalin, the terrorist war. He has killed our red revolution forevermore. I don't like anarchists screaming, love is free. I don't like the CIA, they killed John Kennedy. Paranoid tanks sit in Prague and Hungary. But I don't like counter revolution paid for by the CIA. Tyranny in Turkey or Korea, 1980 right-wing death squad democracy police state Iran Nicaragua yesterday they say fair free government keep the secret police off oh, of no hope communism no hope capitalism yeah everybody's lying on both sides yeah yeah, yeah. the bloody iron of American military power is a mirror image of Russia's red Babel tower Jesus Christ was spotless but was crucified by the mob Law oh, and Order Herod's hired soldiers did the job Flower power's fine but innocence has got no protection A man who shot John Levin hero-worshipper's connection. The moral of the song is that the world is in a horrible place. Scientific industry devours the human race. Police in every country are tear gas and TV. Secret masters everywhere bureaucratized for you and me. Terrorists and police together build the lower-class rage. Propaganda murder manipulates the upper-class age. Hmm. can't tell the difference between a turkey and a provocateur. If you're feeling confused, the government's in there for sure.
11: we we'll we Then you turn Pity. The of immigrant who wishes he would have stayed
6: home,
11: who uses all his the power to do evil, but in the end is always.
12: levantaron con razón, black and brown fighting together on the day I'll always remember. And el Cinco de Mayo con el de gallo, black, white, and brown bleeding together on the day I'll always remember. Because really, it hasn't been that long, so just in case Cat Williams had you guessing, let me kick y'all down with a little history lesson. century, while the U.S. promoted degradation, annihilation with its military and U.S. Navy. Mexico got rid of the caste system, voted for its first indigenous president, even getting rid of legalized slavery. The Underground Railroad also ran south, which led black folks to freedom, with Mexico right there to receive them. Zapata, fighting for tierra, libertad y tencho, with Adelitas on the front line with bullets across their bench. In the year 1946, it was the Mendez family that fought against segregation in schools, because before that, they treated us like fools, pushing us out into gangs, wars, and drugs and then they get pissed off at us when we become Crips and Bloods, Taviesos, Zutzuras, Pachucos, Pulcloristas, Punks, Homeras, Haraneras in the heat, Jaraneros with the bomb ass beat, talking about what's really going on in the streets. In the 60s, in the streets of Oakland, California, Black Panthers organized for answers young lords in new york fought against wars the stonewall rebellion remained true for the rights of the lgbtq aim who was down for native rights with no shame in their game ground raised in l.a learning how to fight and doing what's right. in the campos of california filipinos were the first ones to lay down the boycott screaming in solidarity one rise one fall you come for one you come for all Today, Arizona and Alabama, they don't play, carving out racist lies like it's made out of clay. I stand with Emmett, Trayvon, Oscar and Bell, with my mentor Mumia, up in the cell. Telling you I'd rather be blind than to stay quiet on a day. Well, my people are hunt down like prey. Cause my ability to breathe is directly connected to my ability to see. It's not about me, never was, never will be. It's about we. It's time to move, y'all.
6: It's
12: movement time. Nice
3: set there. These sets today are very eclectic. Taking little from everywhere. That last one was Las Cafeteras with a condensed version of uh, U.S. history, U.S. and Mexican history, and the (coughs) the admonition that it's movement time, don't stand still. Taj Mahal was next with I Pity the Poor Immigrant, a song that so, for me, encapsulates the belief systems of the people who not only the people who voted for Trump, but the people who have remained faithful to him as he exposes himself as a, well, I can't say the word on the air, but I would say a traitor to American democracy. We'll see. I doubt that'll ever be, uh, that'll ever be stated or adjudicated. And, uh. Allen Ginsberg was before that with his Capital Air. And he did some recordings like that, sort of uh, out loud poetry with uh, Tom Petty. A whole set of uh, poetry along with rock and roll music. I'm going to play something special now. This is called Working. And it's a musical presentation based on a book by Studs Turkle, a Chicago journalist and uh, leftist uh, who wrote about working. Uh, he wrote a book called Working, which he interviewed people about their jobs, about their work. Let's see if we can play some of it here for you. Thank you.
8: Schwartz and Nina Faso, from the book by Studs Terkel, with songs by Craig Carnelia, Mickey Grant, Mary Rogers, Susan Birkenhead, Stephen Schwartz, and James Taylor, recorded before an audience. LA TheatreWorks is proud to present the first revised and updated version of this 1970s popular classic. Based on Studs Terkel's amazing book about everyday exertion and everyday people, Working is for anyone who has ever punched a clock, a cow, or a supervisor, or wanted to. And now, working.
11: And
1: I, to I have to be a but waitress. Seconds, How else does the world stop today? I, know, I, I started have to eat crops when life I was eight. I couldn't I go much, but every little bit
4: counts. Every, want big count. line every line time I get behind. Hey, somebody, don't you want to hear the story of my life? One of them movie companies, TV documentaries. Won't you come and ask me, please? And pay me a million dollars to tell you what I do at the store. Cause if you pay me a million dollars I wouldn't gotta go
7: Done, not the dub. Let's watch a full length movie on you too. With Mike Speedle, let's watch a
1: full length movie on you too. With
9: Mike Speedle, welcome to LWAFLMOYT with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. That's Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. And you,
7: my, I, Carl, I said that on the first take. Very nice. L W A F L M O Y T. Good job.
9: <gasps> oh, my God. You did it on the first take. Oh, keep mm-hmm. rolling. Keep rolling. Just keep rolling. Just keep rolling. We'll cut yeah, this. This, keep is so, uh, and yeah, this is a take. So, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, this is a take. Welcome to their show. It's Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube or feature length. Let me know. Did I get that wrong? Uh, where we watch a feature-length movie on YouTube with you, the audience, and us, Mike and Carl. Carl is a New Jersey comedian, and you can – hey, is your show uh, available to the public?
7: Well, anybody can log in, yeah.
9: Okay. Well, we'll – so at the end of the show, we'll mention that as well as the next movie we're going to watch. But so right now, we're going to watch a movie on YouTube, so go to YouTube. And Carl,
7: what is the movie today? we are watching 0 to 60 1978 that's what you put in your youtube search engine zero the, the word zero zero to the word 60 zero to 60 and the numbers 1978. <laughs> and we like too many numbers <laughs> yeah
9: uh, who's, been, who, who's been hosting it
7: zero uh we are hell z72 one word h e l z 72.
9: All right. well, I am all set, and once you do that, click the link and hit pause, and set that time, the bar to zero, because we want to watch it with you, and, uh, just, man, that, the whole thing is, like, zero, two, sixty, nineteen, seventy-eight. Right. That is some conspiratorial shit. Yeah. So, uh, we're very excited, so we're, so have you, alright, audience, we're done talking about the Illuminati, are we ready to watch this movie? (laughs) I am. We're gonna count it down and we are really excited here in the quarantine still chilling on our couch. we just we riding it through. Uh, very excited to have Captain King himself the maestro descending new World, said here to one Mr. Sunday afternoon. Uh, and all man cries, please let's get ready to brumba. uh rob 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 brumba rob 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 Oh, the world domination! A uh, beat a different, bro. We please, please get up for Mr. Paul Brumba.
1: Wow, I never know when to start talking, man. You guys, my intro gets longer and longer every week.
9: <laughs> I don't know. What starting you're talking to feel
1: about. more and more impotent. I hope you guys are doing well out there.
9: We're doing well. Yeah. How's the view in the uh, bunker over there, Paul?
1: It, it is well. I, I love the, the four brick walls that I've erected around me.
9: Well, we're well, great to have you here, as well as everyone else, and uh to have you here for the countdown and for Zero to Fifty.
1: All right, you guys, you know the drill. Let's do this in true Bunker style. Let's do this thing in three, two, one. Wash your hands. <laughs> First artist presents an MGM picture, a Kathleen Brown production. That,
7: sure. That's the white. the Gavin.
9: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't zero that. to sixty. Numbers. Is that fucking line gonna logo gonna bug gonna be on the entire movie?
7: The entire movie, MGM. Just letting you know who brought you this.
9: Yeah, right. He
7: that's acted. where they got
1: that's where okay. they got the promo copy of it. No, yeah,
9: totally. It's his no, property no, right. of the uh...
1: for your for your academy considerations.
7: <laughs> All right, Sylvia Miles. Yeah, you see that right. pink car we're meeting not we're not meeting our hero, but we're meeting like our supporting actress.
9: Is it Denise Nickerson who's being Denise introduced is- in this movie?
7: And she has the man's name, Larry.
9: the Larry B. Uh, Lorena
7: B. I guess We never learn. Now, she's calling in on the radio to her dispatcher headquarters. She's a repo man. Of course, she's not a man. And she's chasing Gloria. She's long sought Gloria's Trans Am. She's way behind in her payments. She doesn't make payments.
9: Oh, that is living on the 70s edge. (laughs) Does she have a seatbelt? Did she pass in her seatbelt? I'm a little nervous.
7: No. Uh, I I can't watch this.
9: No. Am I going to an
7: accident? She is recklessly driving because she's chasing Gloria, so a cop has noticed. There's Gloria. Who is. Who is. Oops! It's not Gloria!
9: Hey! Stop looking at my hair.
7: <laughs> you see, we're going to meet Gloria, and her hair always changes. She's always wearing a wig. But now cool. we're going to meet our star, who is good friends with Dick Martin from Laughing. Is it uh, I,
9: that's yeah. Oh well, that's one of the reasons why I picked this movie because uh, I've watched video DVDs of full length episodes of Laughing. And uh, they did a movie called The Maltese Biffy, Ronan Martin and Maltese Biffy, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not on YouTube. Thank you. so, uh, But this was. Now, I this have no idea know. what is.
7: Yeah. You will know from Christmas Story. Now, we just got our first joke that they blindly walked across the street and almost got hit and they didn't know it. Look how clever she is. Yeah. You see how she hid from the cop.
9: Is this in Los Angeles? Is this
7: down by the farmer's market? I have no idea. You know, I think it's Sound Los wise. Angeles, and every time I look on a cop car to see if it's Los Angeles, they've taken off the city name.
9: <laughs> Doesn't it look like the Beverly Center behind them? I have no idea. Maybe I'm just fucking around. <laughs> we, like
7: we could call Adam and find out, because we don't know L.A. like Adam does.
9: Yeah. Okay. My brother, host of uh, the Bad Movie Podcast, proudly resents. Go ahead, Carl. I'm sorry.
7: Proudly resents. What we're learning now is Gavin is divorced, and he's coming out of divorce court, and that's the wife, and that's the pool boy. So it's basically <laughs> a depressing – Okay, now, the repo girl is overhearing their conversation, and uh, – Christmas story, father is going, I owe a thousand dollars on my car. And she's like, now, What? Christmas
9: said uh, father was in other stuff, right? I mean, he was in. Is that the Night Stalker
7: guy? Yes, exactly right. A very famous television show that was a huge hit movie. And that was like, Yeah. The guy was investigating a murder, and the murderer turned out to be a vampire. A,
9: a vampire? Yeah, sure. Didn't see that coming. And but then, like, he got a show where he lives in San Francisco and he writes a newspaper called about, like, paranormal events. And every week there's, like, a vampire or a werewolf or, like, a, you know, a, a ghost. Yes. Uh, and they would always come to the bay. I say well, ghost because uh, Dick one's about to eat that hot dog, and I'm thinking of Slimer. I'm sorry. <laughs> so
7: that, that came out. Okay. The movie was called The Night Stalker, that was 72, and by 1974, it was a TV show, yes, and that's how he got his big fame, but Christmas Story eclipsed that.
9: Well, I think he he gets more residual type. He he passed away, hasn't he?
7: No, look, you see the chain? I think, yeah. Okay, now Larry, the repo woman, has taken his car. Now watch how the chain disappears. Where'd it go? So what he did was (laughs) he stole his lawyer's car to chase the repo girl. He doesn't know it's a repo girl.